1: The term empath can be used to describe a person who experiences a great deal of empathy, often to the point of taking on the pain of others. These highly sensitive people give too much at their own expense. According to today's guest, Dr. Judith Orloff, it's important for empaths to incorporate daily self-care practices that protect them from the stresses of an overwhelming world. She's here today to discuss tools that empaths can employ to stay healthy and happy. Dr. Orloff is a psychiatrist and a member of the UCLA Psychiatric Clinical Faculty. She's a New York Times bestselling author whose new book is Thriving as an Empath, 365 Days of Self-Care for Sensitive People. Welcome, Dr. Orloff. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you. It's great to be on your show. So, Dr. Orloff, I love when you come on our show because I always enjoy our conversations because... I'm an empath and I learned so much from you and your strategies always help me manage my life. So for listeners that may not be familiar with the term, what is an empath and how can someone tell if he or she fits the profile?
0: An empath is somebody who is very sensitive and intuitive and open, but doesn't have the same filters that other people have. So we tend to feel things uh, more strongly than others and we have big hearts but we tend to also take on the stress of the world and the stress of others and tend to be over helpers or over givers so we risk sensory overload and exhaustion so as a psychiatrist and an empath i know how important self-care is to be able to stay centered to not absorb other people's energy to be able to not over give and learn how to set boundaries so all of those are skills, empath learning. When I apply these skills to my life, the cha- the challenges of being an empath are lessened and the gifts are just amplified.
1: You have an empath self-assessment test on your website, drjudithorloff.com. And out of the 20 questions, I have 18 yeses and one that could go either way. So I'm a full-blown empath. And that's really no surprise for me. As I said, I I believe that I am. And I often wonder, is being an empath a superpower or is it a super stressor?
0: Oh, it's both. Uh, If you have self-care tools, though, it's a superpower. And it's a power that you enjoy. It brings you depth. It brings you compassion and love and relationships and connection to nature. If you, if you like connection to people and to nature, being an empath is the way to go. It's, you know, if you have you know, that neurological makeup, it allows you to really love people and to really connect to life, to people. It's just a, a beautiful depth that you have if you're an empath. And it's only a stressor if you don't learn the self-care techniques because then you're wide open to stresses. If you meet an energy vampire, let's say, you have no strategies to use. You know, if you have a complainer or a drama queen or a chronic talker, you just get mowed over by them. And so what I wanted to offer in this book is what do you do if you encounter you know, a chronic talker? Here is what you do. So you have a plan. And then that is... If you have a lot of different plans for different problem areas, then you're empowered because you know how to deal with it.
1: Doctor, what is actually happening in the brain when a person is an empath? Well, it's thought that the mirror neuron system, the
0: compassion neurons in the brain are hyperactive, meaning they're really working overtime where you feel compassion for everyone and everything and they don't shut off. Um, And so that can be a problem unless you learn how to work with that. But compassion is the the main quality that empaths have. They have an extreme amount of compassion.
1: Are empaths sometimes diagnosed with personality disorders or things like ADHD, anxiety, depression?
0: Empaths are diagnosed with everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And my big gripe with the medical profession is that they don't know how to diagnose empaths. If you are an empath, that changes everything. Right. Because... Whatever diagnosis you are given, let's say you have chronic fatigue, let's say you have ADD, um, whatever diagnosis you have, it's going to be colored by being an empath. And so by learning how to maximize your empathic skills and deal with the challenges, sometimes the other illnesses disappear or sometimes they just lessen. But if you're an empath, let's say with a very real physical disease going on. If you're not practicing self-care, that disease will be much more challenging.
1: And if we're not practicing the self-care that you teach, then we can end up getting over-medicated or medicated unnecessarily. Exactly. And that happens all the time where empaths get
0: medicated with antidepressants, anti-anxiety, this medicine, that medicine. And that's not usually the first line of treatment for empaths. The first line of treatment is, number one, you diagnose an empath. Number two, you take a history and develop you know, a plan for which areas are your problem areas. Which areas are you being drained? Which areas are you being stressed and challenged? know, Do you take on the stress and emotions from other people? All right, the plan is, if I work with somebody, it's how... Do you deal with that? How do you deal with that if you are an overgiver, if you take on the emotions of other people? You know, how can you regulate that? That empowerment and self regulation is really incredible for empaths.
1: If a person realizes that he or she is an empath and they're exhibiting some of the types of of symptoms that we've talked about how can that person get the proper diagnosis are there doctors and therapists out there that even recognize this where can they go
0: um well you know the the integrative medicine doctors and the functional medicine doctors are more apt to understand this and I, i'm certainly you know doing an educational you know training for healthcare practitioners And it's ever so helpful to have a community because many empaths feel isolated, alone, misunderstood, and particularly their nurses, their doctors, psychologists, they're on their own. They don't have a supportive collegial uh, system. And so when you learn how to find your system and your network, it makes a huge difference.
1: Understanding what we're experiencing is the first step. It's really up to us to watch what's going on within us. So how can a person, therefore, learn to spot the first signs of sensory overload?
0: Um, well, what I would do is go through Thriving as an Empath. It starts with January 1st, and it ends with December 31st. And there's a, a, each day is devoted to a different self-care technique, and one of them is spotting sensory overload where you notice in your body the signs where lights are too bright, people seem too loud, and too much is coming at you too fast. You might have various symptoms. You might feel tired. You might get irritable. Now, you have to notice, you know, you, how do you feel baseline? And then how do you feel when you start to get the first signs of sensory overload? And I've trained my body You know in my my mind to to notice this so i can nip it in the bud because i it's very painful to go on sensory overload and I, i sometimes do when i'm in airport you know if i'm stuck somewhere and the plane is late that's my most vulnerable place because i can't get out and i'm waiting for a plane and it's chaos and it's noisy and there's no escape and so that's very difficult for me and so i'll go off into a corner i'll meditate I'll go into the bathroom, I'll listen to some music, and try and calm it all down.
1: So, Doctor, would you share one or two of your daily self-care practices with our listeners?
0: Yes. uh, Learning how to set clear boundaries is very important for empaths. Um, Learning how to say no, that no is a complete sentence. and Learning how to say no, empaths often wear an invisible sign around them that says, I can help you. And so people flock from far and wide to tell you their problems. I don't know if that happens to you, Joan, but it happens to a lot of empaths. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you have to give yourself permission to say, no, you know, I'm not available. Empaths have to learn how to be not available at times. So if somebody comes up to me, let's say at an airport and, you know, starts talking and then starts telling me their problems, I could sense it rearing up, you know. And so I just say to them, you know, thank you for, you know, saying hi. I'm, you know, having a quiet time now, so I prefer not talking. This is my downtime. And I'll I'll stop it. You know, I won't just listen to a stranger telling me their life story and all the trials and tribulations that they're going through because it's not healthy for me. I want to pick and choose the people who I listen to, you know, because listening is a great gift. When you sit there and hold space, there's a technique in thriving as an empath called holding space, where you practice sitting with somebody, being in a heart space, being in a loving space, but not trying to fix anything for them. It's holding a space as they're talking to you. And that's very different than what most empaths do, where they try and get in. Well, have you tried this? What about this? Go to this healer. I have a phone number for you. You know, all of that. You know, you just want to hold the space. You don't want to do anything except send loving energy. And that's a skill to learn. And as a psychiatrist, certainly it's the way I function, or I hold space for people and I help them activate the healer inside of themselves, which is very different than trying to fix them. And empaths often get caught up in trying to fix that people, especially their loved ones who are experiencing suffering, you know, so... That holding space for someone is one technique and thriving as an empath. Setting boundaries is another technique. Um, another technique is asking yourself, is this emotion mine or another's? Now, how do you know if you're feeling anxious, if it's yours or somebody else's, if you're an emotional sponge? because emotional sponge will soak up other people's feelings as well. And so there's a technique on learning how to differentiate other people's emotions from yours, which is a key technique for empaths. And also, you know, in the beginning, I have a a day devoted to I am not too sensitive and meditating on the gift of sensitivity rather than buying into all the shaming messages that you might have gotten from parents, from teachers, from society. Oh, you're too sensitive. You need to toughen up. Now, that's what my mother used to tell me. You know, where I would come back from shopping malls and crowded places and just exhausted or just not feeling that great. And she would say, oh, dear, you just have to toughen up. You need a thicker skin. And that isn't the solution. You know, it's just well-meaning parents who didn't know better often say things like that, you know, especially in those days. And still, but to know that those shaming messages aren't true That you don't need to toughen up, but you do need to learn self-care techniques so that you don't suffer by taking on all the different emotions and stresses of the world.
1: And doctor, when you're creating these changes in your life and you're implementing the practices that you prescribe for us, doesn't it also create new pathways in the brain? Doesn't it cause the brain to react differently?
0: Oh, Definitely. I mean, just the simple self-care practice of learning to turn off your stress hormones and turn on your endorphins via your thoughts, you know, that's an amazing exercise, and it creates new pathways in the brain. Because if you're having a lot of negative thoughts and you worry a lot, that's creating a cascade of stress hormones, cortisol, and adrenaline in your system. And what that does is put you on sensory overload. That's the fight-or-flight hormone. So, you know, that will put you... You know into a panic and so if you're able to say um, thank you for sharing but I'm not going to be obsessing about the same fear a hundred times and I'm going to be thinking a more positive thought or meditating that creates endorphins and the endorphins are the blissful neurochemicals in the body that you want in your body you get them through exercise you get them through laughter you get them through meditation And then you start feeling blissful and calm. And so just by that simple self-care technique that you can read over and over again in the book and just master it, um, you have the power to change your biochemistry in your body, which for an empath is a godsend.
1: And doctor, we're talking about empaths, but these practices can be implemented by anyone. Everyone can benefit from them.
0: Everyone can benefit from them, definitely. Definitely. Um, learning how to work with these. There's just some of the practices strike more home, you know, for empaths because it's just part of, empaths are very similar, and we encounter a lot of issues that are the same. And so we, we have a deep capacity for understanding each other and what we're going through. And so just some basic skills, you know, can make a huge difference in the quality of your life. And, yes, everyone can benefit from the from these techniques and what i you know i've just been on a book tour and what i've seen you know where parents are reading the book to their empath children and they're having like family circles around the book and i love that because parenting is so important in supporting these empathic abilities in a child and when a child doesn't even know what's happening learning you know how how to deal with know your great empathy and your great compassion and not over give or be overwhelmed all the time it's just it's just made my heart so happy to see this.
1: The book is Thriving as an Empath 365 Days of Self-Care for Sensitive People. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Orloff and her work you can visit drjudithorloff.com. That's D-R, drjudithorloff.com. And as always, you can visit our website, cyacy That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on the site, listen to past shows on demand, read our digital magazine, and be sure to sign up for our mailing list. Doctor, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with?
0: I'd like every sensitive person out there to celebrate your abilities, to commit to learning self-care techniques so you can just thrive as an empath and enjoy being sensitive and enjoy being giving and loving and connecting to nature and the universe. You now have it be you know a gift in your life and you know put in the effort and the discipline to learn the self-care so that your quality of life can improve.
1: Dr. Thank you so much for joining us and for providing tools that can help us manage sensory overload. We have so much stimulation coming at us on a daily basis and practicing self-care and following your advice can help us thrive. So thanks for joining us. You're very welcome. This is Conversations with Joan. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.